Why can't we impart what we do not possess ourselves? If we want to grow grateful children, we need to learn to be a grateful parent. And that means genuine gratitude for everything. Join us today as I interview Susie Larson, author of Growing Grateful Kids. Stay tuned today. You won't want to miss this program. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and host of the Family Shield radio program. With me on the phone lines, I have Susie Larson. Susie is the author of Growing Grateful Kids. She's a regular guest host for Along the Way. She speaks to thousands of women each year and works as a freelance writer for Focus on the Family. Thank you so much, Susie, for being my guest today. Hey, it's great to be with you. And just to correct, I'm the host of Live the Promise, but I started out as a backup guest host for Along the Way, oh. which is now called Connecting Faith. So maybe my bio is outdated on my website. Oh. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's on the, that's on the book, I believe. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah, well, great to be with you today. All right. Thank you so much. Before we get started on your book, Growing Grateful Kids, tell our listeners about your family. Well, I'm married 26-plus years, and our three sons are grown now, and they're all in their 20s, and our, my middle son is married to a darling, wonderful woman of God, and they live in uh, Colorado. My oldest son lives in Nashville, and my youngest son lives at home. He has two years of college under his belt. Wonderful. And uh, why did you decide to write this book, Growing Grateful Kids? And the subtitle is Teaching Them to Appreciate an Extraordinary God in Ordinary Places. Well, I'm glad you asked that because I never, ever wanted to write a parenting book. I'm I'm a women's conference and retreat speaker, and my other books are geared towards women and issues like identity, you know, prayer, balance, those kinds of things. But just because, you know, in the messiness of, of raising families, and, and that to me is where you see the gospel come to life, is just humility and forgiveness and mistakes and missteps and you know, the kingdom really is at work or can be in the, in the midst of our family. So I'd often use my uh, sons as examples and stories of some of our mishaps and ways we came back together. I would just use those stories as examples when I'm trying to make a spiritual application in my speaking. And a number of women said, please write something on parenting because what seems instinctive for you isn't for us. But I still never wanted to do it because I didn't want to hang my kids out there as mm-hmm. examples. I want to protect them and let them have room and time and space for process. But I, I tell you, it hit me one day, and it, it was one too many times where I'd gone to my son's school, high school, my youngest son, and kids just walk right in front of you. You know, you're, even if you're pulling, I was pulling my car into the, into the parking lot, they walk right in front of you, no regard. I'd get in the hallway, they'd bump into me, texting, talking to each other. And the utter disrespect and, and lack of acknowledgement of other people, especially adults, grieved my heart to no end. And I went home and said, I think I have to write something about humility and gratitude and, and the sense of entitlement that is so strong in our culture. Would you mind, boys, if I hung some of your dirty laundry out so that we could talk about this? And they all said, Mom, that book has to be written. Go ahead and do it. And I ran every story by them, and they were gracious Good. and wonderful. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's how it was born. That's wonderful, and it's a great book. One of the things that you say over and over is that a parent cannot impart what they don't possess. What do you mean by that? Well, to me, it's the difference between maybe a speaker who Googled his sermon or message, and he let someone else wrestle it out, and he found it on the Internet and just relayed information, 
So the person who's wrestled a message through themselves has gotten before the Lord, gotten some scripture, been through hard times, and, and brought forth a message to somebody when they're speaking, going, you have to get this. I've lived it. I breathe it. I know it. It's true. And I think when, when you don't possess it and you're just relaying a message to your kids, say you're sorry. You really should do this. You really ought to do this. But you're not wrestling it through yourself. Eventually, your words won't ring true and you won't have credibility. But when you first and foremost do the very things you're asking your kids to do, where you forgive that person who stabbed you in the back, where you trust God when the bank account is empty and they see you really wrestling through these truths, then they'll know, boy, she's lived it, she's breathed it, she knows what she's talking about. And I think it is just essential. Having worked with many youth over the years, they know, even in the in the most polished-looking Christian homes, they know when it's sincere and when it's platitude. And so we need this for us, and, and it's really the only way to live. But when you start to impart it from a place of truth, it goes in deep with our kids. Yeah, it really does. And thank you so much for sharing that. You shared a lot of personal stories, not only about your children, but also about you, that even though we're Christians, we're not perfect. We don't do everything right, and we learn as we grow. And uh, I appreciate that. You had some uh, problems when your children were younger. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that, just to kind of get an understanding of what you were facing? Sure, and I think that is an important part of the story because, you know, when I came into marriage, I and my, my friends who had kids and were several years older than me had nice homes and took trips, and their kids wore nice clothes. And so I sort of just assumed it would go that way for me. And obviously you should never assume anything, but our uh, God's road for us was seven years of intense wilderness. So we, had, we were like the have-nots um, in the midst of our friends. You know, two out of three of my pregnancies I spent on bed rest. So the middle pregnancy, I was in bed for three months, had my cervix sewn shut because of uh, uh, premature labor issues. That baby was in and out of the hospital with lots of respiratory issues. Got pregnant with number three, with my third son. At three months along, I had my cervix sewn shut and was in bed for six months wow. with a one- and a three-year-old. During a, a few mm-hmm. different times I got up during that pregnancy when the doc said I could, I was probably six months along I'd been in bed for three months And so I had three months left to go. So imagine a calendar marked with red X's. I would tell my boys, five more months till Mommy can make your sandwiches. Four and a half more months till Mommy can take you to the park. I mean, it was an absolute eternity, letting different people take care of my kids for different portions of time. And, you know, sometimes uh, someone would drop them off after two hours, and then the other person would be late. And in that two-hour time, they'd tip over the potty chair and dump over the cereal and... You know, and I'm laying on my side trying not to, you know, it was just so hard. But anyway, uh, I had I'd not contracted for a couple of days, so I'm six months along. I got up because my doc said I could, and I was pretty depressed and needed to breathe in some fresh air. Met some girlfriends from college. It was a fall day, and we walked along the river in this little small, wonderful little quaint town and had lunch. And I uh, was contracting by nighttime, so I was back in bed. And with about two weeks of that visit, uh, that little field trip, my face started to go numb, and I started to have neurological issues. Long story short, I was apparently bit by the deer tick that day. Oh, I went a year no. undiagnosed. They thought it was MS or a brain tumor, but I had my I kept that baby in, thank the Lord. I delivered him three weeks early. He ended up with double pneumonia, and then when he came home, I went down fast, and I, was, I battled sickness for a good year before we knew it was wrong, and then I battled for a number of years after that. And when I started to get better, my husband uh, ended up with cancer, And so we had our share of of hard, hard times. Mm -hmm. And so looking around at my friends' health and their money and their bank accounts and their kids and us crawling through life, the contrast was so stark. And so 
when I'm talking about gratitude, I'm not just saying be thankful. This is a hard-fought battle, and this is some this is some fruit that was won out of great suffering. So it really does come out of my heart. That's that's wonderful. How then do you, with young children, model thankfulness when everything isn't going right? Well, there's a story in the beginning of the. Um, in the beginning of the book where I woke up, and I, I was prone towards fear and anxiety. I did not do this well all the time. I struggled so much, as, I, as you said. I was very honest in the book about that. But one morning I woke up, and I knew that we had more bills than money, and we had more mouths to feed than food. And I and physically, I was in my 20s. I felt like I was in my 90s. The disease had just wiped me right out. I, I was always waking up just down and under my circumstances because everything felt bigger than me. But that morning, I'm walking down the hall, and something fluttered in my spirit where I felt like the Lord just whispered across my heart, there's an opportunity here. And I had my little little guys around the table, one on a booster chair, one sitting on phone books, one in the high chair. And I knew I only had enough pancake mix to make, like, one giant pancake or a few small ones. But I really felt like there was an opportunity. So I made one big pancake, and I put a candle in the middle. And I and the boys, I, I lit the candle, and I brought it out to the table, and their eyes were so big, they were like, Whose birthday is it? <laughs> you know what I mean? They, it just, they didn't know we were in the crisis of our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sat down and I said, God is so good to us. I said, we have this roof over our head and Daddy's out working hard for us. And we have each other. And I just want to thank Jesus and celebrate today his goodness to us. And I'll tell you, that was a sacrifice of praise, but it was prompted by the Holy Spirit within me saying, give thanks in this mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And they had such a wonderful, they ate off the plate. It was just an impromptu celebration. We went out to the sandbox and played, and I looked up at the sky, and I just felt like the Lord is saying, don't put off praise. Even here, even now, There, this is a time to give thanks. And when we have ingratitude, when we have fear, worry, and doubt, I, I just submit that it makes us spiritually deaf and spiritually blind. But when you start to open your hands and give thanks, even here, even now, it opens something up in you where you start to see, oh, his, his wonders are everywhere, and he's mm-hmm. always giving me good gifts. But we miss it when we embrace entitlement and, and gratitude, you know? You bet. We sure do. So we praise God even in our difficult situations. That's... And some people say, excuse me, some people say, you know, praise him for the cancer. And I, I that's tricky for me. I don't, but I, we say praise him in it. You know, mm-hmm. when our kids were young, I just thought of different practical ways to create perspective and gratitude, we'd come out of the grocery store, and this, again, came out of a very sincere heart, where there, there were plenty of times where we lived on just macaroni and cheese and soup. And so when I would get to go to the grocery store and I'd have several kinds of foods in the, in the trunk, I would buckle them all in and I would say, fold your hands. Now, we're going to thank Jesus because we have choices this week about what to eat. Mm. That, you know, not everybody has choices. Some kids are going to go to bed tonight with not even one meal in their tummy. We can choose sandwiches or we can choose chicken. We have choices. And so let's thank Jesus for choices. And what that did was create perspective in their hearts, but also gratitude and not taking it for granted. And do you know that my youngest son, who's 21, when it's his turn to pray at this age, he still thinks to say, Lord, thank you that we have choices about what oh. to eat. It's just in his DNA that you shouldn't even take that for granted. And we're coming out of the doctor, and I buckle him in and say, we're going to just thank Jesus. This is just strep. Some yeah. kids are, are getting a cancer diagnosis today, and we have insurance, and we get medicine, and you're going to get better. So we're going to trust him to make you better, but we're going to remember all the kids who don't have what we have. And, 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 you know, my kids are working all kinds of stuff out in their faith, and they're good men, and but I will say this, all three of them don't have, none of them have an entitled bone in their body. They're humble and they're grateful. And I don't say that, 
I only say that to praise to God, but it is in those simple places of going, we're going to look up. In this moment where we could complain, we're going to look up and, and give thanks. And it changes everything. I'm convinced of it. That's wonderful. How about how we develop compassion in our children? Empathy instead of just sympathy as they see people in need. Well, I'm glad you made that distinction because I think uh, sympathy puts us above others. And uh, my friend Sarah Groves, a recording artist, we share, we work together with International Justice Mission, and uh, which is an organization that rescues young girls from trafficking and whole communities from slavery. And she said one day when she uh, stepped off the plane into Africa and she she saw the need and she felt such sympathy, and the Lord said, no, you won't have sympathy. She said that he said, this isn't charity. This is justice. Mm-hmm. This is not right. This is not right. You know, not not one should be treated this way. And and so for me, in weaving in uh, perspective and compassion in our kids, I always just sort of had a sense that you don't do that by conking them on the head with should do's and not to's, no. like saying, Eat all your food because people are starving, because all that will do will make them turn a deaf ear to the suffering. But when it comes from a place of humility and gratitude, when you hold hands and go, aren't we just so blessed? We have this. Others don't. Let's thank him for what we have, but pray for those who don't. And, and to do that at any opportunity that you can think of, where you're uh, teaching perspective from a place of humility, where you lift them up, and you kind of take them by the hand, and you lead them to the other side of a situation so that they can see it from a new perspective. Take them on a mission trip. Take them with you to a food shelf. You know, create a sense of expectancy when you get in the car on the way to school. Lord, you want to use us today. Help us all have open eyes and open hands so we can come back together tonight and share stories of how you used us. And uh, just to kind of weave that into your DNA. And another way that we worked on teaching perspective was we were the boss of the remote control, unapologetically so. So if they were watching a movie, I'd sometimes push pause and I would say, okay, that's what pride looks like. Okay, you don't like that guy right now? That's what pride looks like. That, you like him. You know, you're drawn to him. Why? Because he's a humble guy. And sometimes they're like, Mom. But I'm like, you know what? I waited a long time to be the adult. <laughs> I have this remote <laughs> control. Uh-huh. And I'm teaching you to be a critical thinker. And all three of them have thanked me and said, I see things that I normally wouldn't see because you taught me to be a critical thinker. And so when you think about it, the Bible says train the child in the way that they should go. It's not coddle them, make them mm-hmm. as comfortable mm-hmm. and happy as possible. That makes them soft. When you train them, you're training them to see things, to hear things, to do things that their flesh would otherwise not want to do. You bet. Now I'm going to make a few announcements and then we'll come back and continue talking about the topic and the book, Growing Grateful Kids. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, Live the Six, Being an Everyday Missionary. To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center, 1-877-250-8416, or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Please make sure you give us your complete name and address when you call or write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations each week throughout the United States and is also available through our podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. We invite your prayers and support. If you'd like to support us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars 
to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836 and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. Why not put Family Shield Ministries into your will or estate? Most people want to give the majority of their assets to their family, but many also put a favorite nonprofit ministry into their estate to receive 5 or 10% of it. Family Shield's estate program is entitled Generations Legacy. Your gift will allow us to continue the ministries for many generations and beyond your lifetime. For more information, contact us at witness to family at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to Family Shield and for your prayers. Learn more again at www.familyshieldministries.com. This is Kay Meyer, host for today's Family Shield program. I want to go back to my guest. Susie Larson is the author of Growing Grateful Kids, and we've been talking about how we grow those grateful kids, and she's been sharing some stories about her family. We were talking about compassion and how we help our children develop compassion uh, prior to the announcements. Susie, what else do you want to share about that? Well, one of the stories I share in the book that inspired me so much is when I was on an IJM trip in Guatemala, and a young gal, young single mom, um, she was a social worker for IJM, and we were talking about just ways to cultivate compassion and perspective in our kids. And here's a young woman who has almost nothing living in a poor country, and yet every, I want to say, eight weeks or so, she would have her little daughter go to her, her uh, toy closet and pick out a few toys to bring to the local uh, shelter, and she said, "I just want her to be in the habit of of just giving and understanding that there are those who have less than we do." And so she said, "It used to be she'd take out the tired and outdated toy, but she said it, once she saw the look on these underprivileged kids' eyes and their faces, she realized what a big thing she was doing." And this little girl got to be a part of that. She picked a toy, she handed it over. So she said she stopped picking the old toy. She mm. picked something she loved, and she'd say. I love this, so I know they're going to love this. And she said, I just want, them to be, want her to be in the habit of giving and being aware that there's always someone who has less. And that is just the truth. And we, our kids won't know that unless we teach them. There's someone in your neighborhood who has less than you do. Mm-hmm. There's someone who could use a pie or a sandwich or a box of cereal. And to just somehow ask God, awaken me to those who have less, awaken my kids to those who have less, and let us have the privilege of ministering to those needs. And you know, that is in our DNA. If we are in Christ, God loved us so much that he gave. He's a giver. Mm-hmm. And so it's got to be in our DNA to be givers. And uh, that's an extremely important part of our maturity process, I think. You bet. You bet. Thank you so much. Well, let's talk a little bit about how we encourage our children in their faith journey and uh, also why uh, asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness in the home is so important. That faith journey is an interesting thing. You know, I've heard uh, polls said that uh, 80% of Christian parents don't read Scripture to their kids, don't have family devos or pray. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have like a weekly family devo, but we did have regular family meetings. And just organically, we were talking about faith in God all the time because we needed to. We were hanging on by a fingernail. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is something to be said about when you rise up, when you lay down, when you're 
walking by their side, where you just see you see what God is doing and you speak it out to them. And again, part of you know teaching faith is practicing gratitude. So saying, did you see the sky God made for us today? And aren't these sandwiches amazing? You know, God's so good to us. Where it's just you know you're not forcing it in them, but you're really living it and breathing it to the point where they receive it. But I think there are times where you sit down and you open Scripture together and you teach them to open the Bible, and you teach them, you know, uh, what the Word means. And my husband always did the coolest thing with our boys. He just trained them up to be leaders, where we'd have our family meetings, and as we're getting ready to wrap up, he'd say, Jake, why don't you close us out in prayer today? Or Luke, why don't you open up in prayer? And he would toss it to them like they should know how to do it, you know, knowing Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. didn't. But he would just toss it to them and let them do it anyway, and they'd fumble their way through it, but they just got more and more confident. Yeah, they sure did. And so asking for God to give us wisdom about teachable moments. And as they get older, it's a little trickier to do, because otherwise it sounds like you're spiritualizing everything. And so I think it does take a real you know, real personal thriving walk with God so that you're sensitive to what he's doing in their life as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we, and we do a lot of parenting programs as well as teach uh, uh, people how to sh- do fun family devotions. But uh, one of the things that I say all the time, and I heard it throughout your book, is we need to uh, ha- offer forgiveness to our children when we as adults sin, and we do, especially in the home. Uh, Talk a little bit more about the importance of forgiveness, that two-way forgiveness in the home, Uh, our children to us, us to our children, and of course, our relationship with Jesus Christ. My my husband's a commercial construction manager. He's a senior project manager on big commercial construction projects. In fact, this past year, he just finished the Minnesota Twin Stadium, and it's quite a beautiful beautiful structure. But anyway, using construction terminology, I say that forgiveness is like the rebar in the family structure. And rebar is steel reinforcement beams in concrete. So concrete is strong. Rebar makes it even stronger. And I don't know how you can even function without that being uh, in place and being a steady fixture in the family. And I think oftentimes Christian families are more apt to put on a good front and to do anything they can to save face and they are willing to open up Mm -hmm. and deal with some of these hard things that make life messy. And if we look at our kids and look to them and need them to validate us and make us look good, we're we're on the wrong foot, Mm -hmm. you know, to begin with. And we all can go there because you want your kids to make you look good, but it's just not their job. And so they're going to do plenty of things and say plenty of things that embarrass you or break your heart, and forgiveness needs to be there. You're going to have plenty of days where you have a hissy fit or you say things that are beneath you, and you're going to need to be forgiven. And thank the Lord, His mercies are new every morning. And so that ebb and flow of forgiveness needs to just be a a common thing where we embrace daily mercies because we need them. And so to walk and retrace our steps with our kids and say, you know, what you did was wrong, but the way Mom responded to you, that was that was wrong. Mm-hmm, so would you mm-hmm. please forgive me? Absolutely. And and it isn't just as you know, excusing it or pretending it didn't happen. You acknowledge the issue. You make reparations where possible. You retrace your steps and and do what you can do to bring it before the Lord, but to do your part and and making amends and. And I have a story in there that everybody says it's their favorite chapter, and even our senior editor at Moody said he cried through the chapter. It was so sweet. But when we had to forgive my son of, of a mighty a mighty debt where he ruined my truck, um, I won't give it all away, but, I mean, I can if you want. But anyway, the, the load that, that he carried, the burden that he carried of his choice, got to the point where it was having a negative effect on him, and he was paying back a $3,000 debt. And he'd paid about $1,200 back, and he was learning 
because he spun out with his friends and he smashed my truck and he took the burden and he did odd jobs to pay it off. And but a year later, it was close to his birthday time. He'd probably paid off twelve or eighteen hundred, but he had still half of it or so left to pay off. And we were seeing how the weight of that thing was having now a reverse effect on him. He was getting more depressed. Mm-hmm. And and we had communicated for the whole year. We are so proud of you. We have totally forgiven you. But you know, consequences still come with choices, and then we need to understand that. You know, but but we start to just really seek God as we saw this, this impact on him, and really felt a strong sense that we need to to make a change. And so it was his birthday. He wanted to go out to his favorite steak place, and uh, and he wanted a used guitar. He had his eye on a used guitar for his birthday. And so he, the brothers were with and a few of his friends, and he's looking around for either his guitar-shaped wrapping paper gift or the cheesecake with the candle in it because he loved the cheesecake. And he's looking around, and we're having a good time, and I hadn't seen the spark in his eye for over a year since that terrible night when he smashed my truck. And the waitress was bringing out the cheesecake, and I could see her from across the, the restaurant, and she got closer and closer to him, and she set the cheesecake down in front of him, and we'd called ahead and had her drizzle and chocolate on the plate, debt forgiven. And debt he, forgiven. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He stood up at 17-year-olds. That chair almost fell back in front of his <laughs> buddies. He embraced us with such a tight hug, he started to cry. And he said, oh, this is what forgiveness feels yeah. like. I am forgiven. He'd known the debt. He'd known the load. And then he knew what it felt like to have it removed. Uh-huh. And the Lord whispered to my heart, that's how I felt. You know, when, when I knew what I was going to look in your eye and, and see your countenance change, when I lifted the load from your shoulders, I couldn't wait for that day. And I, I was giddy to see what he looked like when he didn't have to carry that anymore. And you know what? Forgiveness moves the sin outside the camp, and it draws you closer to each other. But if your bent and your priority is to make sure you look good to the outside world, you will have cracks all over your foundation. But if you can go, I really don't care what anybody else thinks. I care about this boy of mine, that he knows he's loved and restored, that he understands what forgiveness looks like. You push the sin outside the camp, you close ranks, and you're that much tighter. And we all learn something about forgiveness through that experience. You bet. And that's the giving grace that you talk about, the living abundantly and learning to give grace, God's grace through Jesus Christ. He suffered Mm -hmm. and died for our sins. And the forgiveness that you gave your son, uh, not only forgiving him for what he did, but forgiving his debt. That is Mm -hmm. awesome. That's awesome. We have less than a minute left. So just any quick thoughts you have as we close the program, Susie? Well, we are in a day where that enemy is after our families, after our marriages, and after our kids. If there was ever a time to be serious about our personal walk with the Lord, it is now. In a day when the Bible says the love of most will grow cold, we need to be cultivating a fiery, passionate, wonderful love with the Lord. We can't impart to our kids what we don't possess. We can't impart to a lost and dying world what we don't possess. So we need to be, above all, much with God. And as we're much with Him, we'll we'll put our hand to the things He gives us to do. We'll say what he would want us to say. We'll do what he'd want us to do. And to me, there's just the hour is urgent. There's just nothing more important right now. Thank you so much. My guest has been Susie Larson, author of Growing Grateful Kids. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in his word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com.
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.